personally, I found myself saying a prayer. And it was a prayer that just didn't end. You just keep talking to yourself. And that prayer was not that may I live through this so much, as may I do my job and not let your buddy down. That's the important thing. is when you get oh, yeah. like higher with it. Yeah, I thought I was trying something different. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, settle in. We are the Sagely Stage Stooges. My name is Steven and I am joined by Grady. Hello. Josh. Sup, yo? And sleepy boy Chris. Just storming the beaches over here, man. Storming Norman. We are in somewhat of a rare mood today. Uh it's a weekday. Yeah, we're not uh, work day. Hey, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> right, and that's <laughs> that's somewhat rare. <laughs> it's rare, right? And um, but um, today it is uh, June the fifth. Tomorrow, obviously, being June the sixth, which marks really? the seventy fifth anniversary of D Day. Oh, dang! Day I didn't realize it was seventy five. Yeah, me neither. I was wondering why it was. People were making a bigger deal of it than they usually make. You know, usually it's just kind of like, <laughs> that's funny. I thought, <laughs> I thought it's, that's why you brought it up this time, Grady. <laughs> no, it's just like, oh, it's you know, it's D Day. We can you know talk about it and everything. Multiples of five, baby. Like, Multiples of five. Is is there a word for the seventy fifth? You know, it's not the yeah. It's the called the seventy fifth anniversary. Like work the on third that for quarter us. quell. You know, like yeah. in Hunger Games. Uh, you um probably a bad topic. Get, get get to work on that. We'll uh, stats department. You can, okay. Uh, you can yeah, I'll let you know what I find us. out. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'll research that all session long until I find it. Uh, Seventy-five years is a semi-sesquicentennial. It sounds there. You go. Unnecessary. My job's done. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Say it again. Semi-sesquicentennial. Semi-sesquicentennial. Semi-sasquatch-centennial. Yeah, a sesquicentennial is 150 years, so a semi-sesquicentennial oh, is half of it. Wow. That's dumb. I don't like that as much. It's a yeah, 75th people are dumb for coming up Brought to that. you by the anniversary Wikipedia page. There you go. Oh, great. There you go. Grady's a mod on there. But, um, yeah, so we obviously, uh, you know, that's what we're going to talk about. If you hadn't put that together yet, then our intellect is far beyond your ability to comprehend. Well, that's the case either way. <laughs> yeah. So, the tricky thing about this is going to be that, obviously, while important and interesting, fascinating even, um, it's not a very happy event. Uh, you know, it marks the, the, you know, essentially the, the, the fall of the Germans in World War II, but... Uh, that's pretty happy. Um, 
It, which, which is good. Yeah. What's not happy about well, it? Well, Steven. Lots and lots <laughs> and lots and lots of people died. Watch out. Vox is going to get you to well, monetize. Well, okay. If you, including, if you focus on the bad part, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> including, obviously, lots of Americans <laughs> and Canadians it. and, you know, other, all Brits and all the allies. All um, of the Brits? Yeah, they all died. Jesus, all this, was, this was bad. We're talking about yeah. the dark timeline, uh, D-Day. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're Normandy fails where rommel sure, got sure. all the defenses he wanted right yeah and was present oh it was something like 18 percent of them were complete or something like that yeah uh yeah time well which is wild anyway we'll talk about that in a second because yeah that that's an interesting stat anyway so yeah i i guess where i kind of you know like to start is is, is in some of the the things that most people are going to be sort of familiar with when it comes to d-day you know I, it, in my head the first things that that came to my mind when you think of Normandy and the invasion is saving Private Ryan and Talker's Bad Friday <laughs> I was yeah I was gonna say <laughs> Medal of Honor Allied Assault saw the first it was Medal of Honor front line no yeah. Allied Assault was the one first. where you're riding in the boat and then you they shoot you out of it and you're in the oh, water oh yeah, yeah yeah but Allied yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah you're right you're right and they redid right. that on Conquer's Bad Friday sure Frontline was Omaha Beach Allied Assault was Allied Assault did it first and then, then when they made Frontline they did it again I think Allied Assault was the PC game and Frontline was on console yeah. I think I it's yeah. been forever that's all right. I only anyway. played the console one, so I wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Band of Brothers mm, was yeah. the other thing I was actually going to mention. Uh, <laughs> so the best laid plans, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Of right. squirrels and men. Yeah. Um, so you know we don't want to <laughs> sit here and like uh, give you a like history lesson. But we're gonna. This is this is going to be the uh, patented Sagely Stage Stooges. Patented. You, to, if, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't know it. Go read it. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's if you our, don't know yeah. us. Go our history it. department is just a sign that says "Go look it up." Yeah, just, <laughs> just Google it. Yeah, you've got you've got Wikipedia. We we're not responsible for your education. Man, I really hope uh, we get to the point like when these uh, like twenty three or whatever Democrats debating each other on stage, where at any point it's just like, well, if you Google it, just Google it. I just I just want the debate to devolve. <laughs> I can picture Bernie Sanders saying that anybody can find this out. Just Google it, okay? Just Google it. Uh, just Google, just Google it. it. Yeah. That's that's a heck of a heck of a catchphrase for a politician to have these days. I mean, if you want to see Look, Mr. You Biden find this stuff out, just Google sniffing it. young girls, then just Google it. Just Google it. I don't know why it almost became Trump. It's almost Hashtag like just yeah, Google, it. Google loves Trump. Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump tried to disguise himself as Kamala Harris and got on stage. <laughs> just Google it. How much money will Google pay somebody Look, to do that? Look, I'm know? the best. I've done the best job. Just Google it. All right. All right. So was... back to D-Day. Uh, right. Romantic so, invasion. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Just like our boys did. God, I hope not. With something to bring up kind of at the beginning, um be the prelude to it in terms of like trying to ah, sure yeah cover, yeah, yeah. Um, cover good, up the, yeah. these operations in operation bodyguard with uh yes operation bodyguard is is very interesting good way to start yeah no um i found that really really cool because they're essentially just trying to fool the germans into thinking the landings are happening anywhere but normandy um, well like yeah <laughs> everywhere I like around bigger scales and everything right? to read that mm-hmm. note yeah they had like, like Fake tanks and stuff, yeah. inflatable yeah. tanks. And, Those and like a fake tanks, British yeah. army, right? Like the yeah. British Fifth Army or something was. Well, because you'd be real. moving tanks out of where they one. were, if uh, and, and stacking them up in other places. And so, if they're paying attention to 
where you last had your tanks and they're not there anymore, they might get suspicious. I wonder how those letters would be written nowadays where it'd be like, you find the fake letter. Totally not attacking here tomorrow, lol. (laughs) Hashtag. Hashtag. Well, yeah, they they had started breaking the, or had already broken the Enigma machine, right? So they were like sending. Yeah, they broke in, picked it up, and smashed it, and laughed in Hitler's face and walked away. Yeah, Hitler cried for like directly in his face. I'll show you. Um, That was my noise. But no, you're right. Uh, They had broken the code. They were um, feeding them false information. They had a a kind Mm -hmm. of a network of double agents too. Yeah, like yeah, all all of the all of the German spies almost at this point Mm -hmm. had like turned you know to double agents, right? Because yeah, and they were getting such good, (laughs) such quote unquote good information and such you know so reliable because they were just being housed by the British government um, (laughs) that the Germans had stopped sending any more spies over. They're like, ah, that that spy network is great. It works well. Awesome. Excuse me, is this where I can join the double agent club? No, look, we're all full up on members, okay? We can't take any (laughs) more. Please, I've learned the secret handshake and everything. No, no, I'm I'm sorry, we have too many. And I can't go to the Soviets, they'll fucking put me in a gulag. (laughs) Um, There was this one dude, my, my favorite one of this network, uh, was a guy named Juan Pujol Garcia. Okay. Uh, he was Spanish and tried to he tried to join up uh, with the Allies, and they were like, mm, "Fuck you!" So he he <laughs> tried to join nice. up with the Germans, and they were like, "Sure, whatever." But he actually was trying to sabotage them the whole time. Yeah. He goes to Lisbon in Portugal and just hangs out in a library and uses public information to feed. Uh, the Germans like just a bunch of false shit and uh, and messes them up, but like he just blames it on fictional subordinates in a spy network that he doesn't actually have. <laughs> yeah, I totally heard That's this incredible. from spy number four, and they're just like, okay, whatever. This sounds Look, legit. It's not my fault. Don Quixote just keeps fucking up and attacking windmills, man. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Come on. But he's awesome, and he he plays a role in this um, Operation Bodyguard in the part called Operation Fortitude. Which was one of their, like, you know, oh, we're going to try to attack over here. It sounds yeah, like a really this, confusing movie sequel, like Operation Bodyguard Part 2. <laughs> Operation Fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. Operation Fortitude is like the sequel to the game Fortitude, and it's even tougher. And you have to have, like, a lot of Fortitude. Well, yeah, if you, if you use a little tool, and then if you hit the sides, it buzzes at you. It's just not. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, I want to jump in. I'm going to jump in here real quick. Yeah. Um, the the you know in in kind of setting up all of this uh espionage as it were i guess um mm-hmm. yes there was so much um what's the word i'm looking for uh, reconnaissance surveillance espionage. um Spy. that that was done beforehand you know i mean they had they had taken like like what was it like hundreds of that like nearly a million photos of the beach and so you know, that's a lot of beach pics. That's nothing compared yeah. to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, imagine nowadays. We just need Instagram influencers over there in droves doing... We just got satellites. Oh, we're so just we here to anyway. take but pictures. And that's it. Hashtag me on Normandy Beach. Hashtag invasion five uh, days countdown. Woo. Hashtag Omaha. Uh, ma'am, you're going to have to scrub, scrub that hashtag. Uh, hashtag Operation Bodyguard. So uh, about uh, about all hey, the surveillance, Steve. Right. <laughs> so, Did we um, find Waldo? That's what I wanted to know. No, yeah, probably. To this day. Because they took, like I said, nearly a million pictures. And it obviously it was one of those, like, okay, the Germans know that these planes are flying by and taking pictures. 
So it was like out of necessity and as a tactic to set up all of these falsehoods, you know, because we needed the pictures and we needed the information to make sure that Normandy invasion was successful. But also in doing so, it was going to alert the Axis that this was likely going to happen soon. So then we also had to like double down on that by feeding them false information and thinking that it was actually happening somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so to make sure that that was believable, there was also like, you know, false reconnaissance. And Uh, like you said, false armies. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that struck me is like they, and I forget exactly how they pulled it off, but they were like false British armies and, Mm -hmm. you know, troop amassments in Britain that pointed to them going to the, one of the ports, port, the, I forget the the closest one across the channel or whatever. Yeah, I can't. Which made more sense. Of course, that wasn't where they were going. And you mentioned like those inflatable tanks and those. um, They had put these like they had like these these some sort of metallic devices that they put like in the waters and like on the so that so that like when the radars would scan, it would scan as though they were tanks Uh, and weapons and buildings and, like, all this stuff. And so they would, like, oh, there's an amassment of, like, you know, equipment here, and Mm -hmm. that army's still there, even though it it had long gone. Yeah, that's called a window. It was just actually strips of aluminum, or as they were calling it, aluminium. (laughs) Aluminium. (laughs) But, yeah, that's all it was, and uh, it would ping on the radar, like you said. Yeah, it just pops up on the radar, so that's so cool. Yeah, that, that is neat. Continue. For sure. But yeah, no, the deception um, it was campaign, Nor- there was one that Norway said they were threatening. Norway and somewhere else? Yeah, Norway mm-hmm. and uh, Pas de Calais. Yeah, that, that was nailed the port it. I was thinking Can't of. be how you say it, but... Yeah, no, <laughs> you nailed it. Nailed it. Port de Calais. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, right over there. Right across <laughs> the bridge. Well, that's why everyone of course. got confused. No one could fucking say it. Yeah. Man, California is so far away. Why are we going there? <laughs> How the hell do you think Germans are going to think we're invading California? That don't even make sense. That's ours. <laughs> That'll really screw with them. Why would they it's been that? a really deep, deep deception. Okay? Right. Yeah. <laughs> My pure, do we have California? <laughs> <laughs> God. All right. Um, yeah. California Uber Alice. Right. What else about Bodyguard? <laughs> um. That's the main thing. It's just that, like the the lengths they were going through, you know, all the fake radio traffic, the yeah, the, like we were talking about the just the levels of deception, the spies involved in in getting that going. Well, I mean, being so multinational, fake beach parties, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wild. I mean, like they were wild, just just so. Like, it's like the birth of espionage, you know, like the birth of reconnaissance. No, it isn't, but okay, probably not. No, really. not at it's all. Not, but I, it I is the not in this instance. But World War Two is the birth of the OSS, with yeah, the yeah. predecessor to the mm-hmm. CIA. It, it is espionage on a scale office of ungentlemanly warfare. Not quite as as heavy before, you know. <laughs> I even read that. Um, you know, obviously they they had gone through so many different code names and stuff regarding Normandy just as a whole. Um, I wanted to be in that room I think it just was... coming up with goofy code names that are jokes, like inside <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and yeah, I think it was maybe the New York Times. The, the um, Daily Telegraph is what you're Ah, Daily Telegraph. Oh, okay, yeah, mind. I was going to say if it was New York like, Times, you could call it Operation Anti-Semitic Political Cartoon. That's a little wordy. <laughs> Operation <You nailed> Anti-Semitic. <laughs> no, I, don't th- I don't think that really works against the Nazis, though, right? <laughs> well, they, um, you should look in the New York Times during that time period, but sure. They um, they were 
like in their crossword puzzle, their daily crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, really uh, important code words for yeah, the that... invasion were popping up in their in their crossword puzzles and like mi5 you know is like investigating it and everything and it's like they didn't end up finding anything <laughs> like, what the hell we just <laughs> talked about this this morning oh okay. yeah it was like, who put that's... this in the crossword yeah the words included utah utah beach okay you know? right omaha for omaha beach overlord wow. the entire operation's name the whole operation <laughs> uh, mulberry referring uh, to the mulberry, the mulberry uh, harbors we'll talk harbors and neptune mm-hmm. Uh, which was, which was a planet, which is God of the Sea. Uh, yeah. Their sea oh, part of it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. The sea well, you need God Juno of the Sea to, to pull it off. So no, what got what got me was the way that those those code words got leaked. It's just so like anticlimactic, I guess. Oh how? Because wasn't wasn't the guy that was putting together the Daily Telegraph's um, crosswords? He was like living next to one of the bases and just hanging out with like some of the 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 army chaps and that's how they got the words get leaked or something like that i think i read it is something like that yeah let me see where because i read that i think he just lived next to one of the one of the british bases and like he Mm -hmm. would go over there and hang out with them and they were i don't i guess they were telling him about it or they were using the words and he was like yeah i'll put those in the in the telegraph but while while Grady confirms that, I'll, I'll wax for him. I you know oh, that's of, nice. some of the other random one of some of the other random things I read was you know um, at some point one of the documents containing a lot of the plans like flew out of the window of one of the the planning rooms. I don't even remember where this was, and some <laughs> dude like picked it up and he brought it back, and he was like, "Ah, my eyesight's too bad. I, I couldn't read it anyway." But like that guy. He's How like, dead was he? Oh. Like, if he... <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> I promise I can't read. I promise no, look, 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 show it to me. Show me a piece of paper. I can't read it. I promise. <laughs> and, like, uh, there was one... Yeah, because how do you prove you can't read, you know? Like, yeah, that's I don't tough. know. Yeah. There was one squad, uh, you know, because all these, all these kids, when they were, you know, coming into... Coming into Normandy, it's like, oh, France is, you know, this land of debauchery and sex, and you're just going to fuck anything you want. And so, like, you know, at some point, you know, while some of the British fellas were out, you know, pubbing around before they were going to go, they had, like, one of the commanders had, like, hired, like, women to follow these men around and make sure that they weren't talking about the plans, you know, nights before. I don't know. They, oh, okay. So what what happens if they were talking about the plans? You got a spanking. Uh, well, no sex everyone, at time for you. Everyone dies. So yeah, it was. Um, you're right. He was living next to um, a camp of American and Canadian troops. Oh, American and Canadian stationed yeah. up there, um, preparing for the invasion. And uh, there's a apparently the guy who was compiling it was also a headmaster at that school there, and just is that uh, Lord Tweedsmuir? Or whatever? Or is uh, that the guy investigating it? I just thought his no, name was uh, Leonard Daw. Oh, that's right. Okay. <clears throat> Man, even if you had made Leonard that name Daw. up, like I would have believed you with how British it is. Oh, yeah. No, when, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. Great. It mm-hmm. wasn't Lord Tweedsmere. Leonard Tweedsmere. Tweedsmere. Yeah. Lord Tweedsmere is, was the senior intelligence officer attached to the Canadian Army. Ah, uh, he's Lord. the one that investigated it and, and determined all this. <laughs> anyway, I think I interrupted you. He was So Leonard Daw is posted next to these British and... Canadian kids and yeah, and he apparently just like would like 
get i you know ideas or ask the kids for like oh yeah well it'd be a cool word to put in the in the crossword and shit and they you know they were around these soldiers and everything who were training and they i guess they just would hear them or something that's the like just they either say it's a coincidence or that's how they got the that was in their it. subconscious. They heard uh, the word Utah said yeah. seven times in a day, so it was just oh, well. Utah would be a great name. Utah, yeah, sure, whatever. But yeah. but it is interesting that like days before, um, or you know, not long before anyway. Uh, D Day. Well, how long was this? Was this like uh, it's a run from seventy five years ago? It's from May the second to <laughs> June the first of that okay. year. So yeah, like but, okay, so it was a decent stretch of time, but. But still, like that—that that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, as as a British or a, any kind of intelligence officer as a British. planning this, we're like, oh my god, this is you know out in the newspaper. Yeah, MI five gets doing. yeah gets yeah. You know, gets word that like there's a random ass newspaper that's got a crossword <laughs> puzzle that has like all yeah. of the code words from this yeah, super right. secret operation that will determine yes, the world but war. but the Germans would never believe that they'd be so stupid to publish them in the newspaper. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hiding in plain sight, of course. No, this is just what Grady did to us with those with those fake uh, news headlines that we did that one time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> No, so but he would know we wouldn't be believe that, so there's no way that... Mm. <laughs> or, yeah, my sorry. That's what, what you that say, Grady? The, I was just going to say uh, that this would be kind of the equivalent of, you know, the Los Alamos local crossword puzzle <laughs> is showing up like Manhattan, yeah. Neutron, uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Oppenheimer. Wow. yeah. Oppenheimer. How would so, you... What's the clue for that? <laughs> Silly well, that's not our job to determine steven that's some poor crossword designer i just anyway so um i guess just i think this will probably top off the things that happened beforehand right we're still mm-hmm. beforehand uh yep. the weather and all that was was kind of interesting to read about yeah. and kind of along with that uh eisenhower's failure letter well yeah remember this was know, well before video games started putting dynamic weather and everything right yeah this uh, is well before burnout paradise five or whatever had the dynamic weather that there was a right, right no right. we're just a few days away from e3 and i'm hoping we go through dynamic weather again like we did last year <laughs> I, I hope uh, everything have has a new dynamic trend, right? weather now anyway keep going but um yeah so like because the uh allies controlled so much of the waters surrounding you know in, in the in the english channel well they are going to mention the, our secret weather machine the germ no not right now <laughs> uh, maybe later the Germans like weren't getting the proper meteorological reports, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, y'all back uh, me up if I'm absolutely off here, but I think that's the no. Case. You're right because they didn't um, have contr- you know uh, access to the Atlantic, so they were like in Paris or something trying to read the weather. Yeah, so they're like, ah, it's gonna storm for like read the, next the two or three weeks. Uh, so you know their invasion or whatever, that's not gonna happen because it's gonna be too stormy to do it. So I think, uh, and y'all might know more about this, but uh, was it Rommel and Hitler were like, ah, well, let's take two weeks off. It's going to be too stormy anyway. Well, so Rommel for sure. Hitler was, was not going to be there for, you know. Okay. So at least that. Rommel be, was like, I'm going to yeah. go back. No, Rommel was going to talk to Hitler to try to get some more panzers or something, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So he was going to be away from the front or, you know, the where this invasion was supposed to happen because he, you know, the weather wasn't going to let them invade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up, um, you know, right, uh, I guess, you know, the day, day before and day of this invasion, 
being uh, letting up just enough for them to invade. Well, and I think still de- they still were delayed twenty four hours. Sure, so it, it was like barely. It, it wasn't barely. ideal because the whole thing was like they planned to go in at a certain tide at a certain mm-hmm. time of the month and everything, and right. the next mm-hmm. time around was going to be like the eighteenth and twentieth. Well, yeah, it was a yeah. go now yeah. or we're not going. This kind is of thing. over. Yeah, right. Um, and so that kind of leads into, I mean, the weather was just good enough to allow them to do it, but also the Eisenhower failure letter that he wrote, he wrote it cause he was like, well, shit, if the weather, you know, kind of screws us over, I, I think that's why he wrote it or just the fact or that just they if they could, did it, any, it anything could have failed. <laughs> yeah. But right. at the time the weather wasn't great either. Um, he wrote this letter, you know, taking full responsibility for the failure of the, um, of the invasion, which like to me and and some of the wording in there was very like like i don't know he it took, feels genuine yeah he took full personal responsibility he didn't say oh well this could have gone better if such and such he's like no i made this well, decision you know if the weather had been a little <laughs> yeah, better right. or these lousy that. brits yeah uh, yeah so he, <laughs> no, he fully he, he wrote a, out this letter he was that a leader took man. full responsibility for everyone you know you know having failed if it yeah. happened uh, prior to the the invasion, so I just thought mm-hmm. that was interesting, like how much person, how much he put it on his back and didn't like you know write it off. Kind of kind of showed his character there that mm-hmm. you know that he didn't dodge responsibility for all of these lives he was about to put on the line with no idea if it was going to work or not. Really, well, and so. not to go too far off topic, but you know, I mean the the expected to- the expected death toll uh, for just the allies for normandy was i mean like 10 to twenty thousand. i mean like they had like they the expectations we the the actual death toll was under their expectations which is shocking to think because of how many people were killed well that's the thing they expected a slaughter you don't think about they went into that operation expecting like knowing how many people were gonna die well that's the thing that a lot of people don't consider when you think about it from like ike's position or something where it's just like all right i'm gonna i'm not gonna just be posted up in my office all day i'm gonna walk amongst my men knowing that i'm about to send thousands of them to their death tens of yeah like i yeah i'm thinking like every other one or every third one is not gonna live this and i'm gonna go out there and you know look them in the face anyway yeah Yeah. i mean mean, it does end up being a slaughter like four thousand four hundred uh fourteen confirmed dead um right in the landing and you know ten thousand casualties but they're expecting you said ten thousand like yeah they were expecting 10 20,000 dead to 12 yeah 10 to twelve thousand dead yeah yeah so yeah, I imagine yeah. it. And um, one of the you're talking about the speech and the kind yes. of owning it. And so, yeah, I was about to get back to that, but go ahead. Um, I was just going to draw attention to um, kind of the way he wrote it. I was reading this article on it um, sure. by Scott Simon of NPR, and he was focusing on the actual, you know, the handwritten copy of it. How he yeah. scratches out um, this particular oh, operation yeah. and he replaces it with my decision to attack. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so like he like goes me. out of his way to to like yeah. take full responsibility yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. And I think towards the end he says any blame or fault is mine alone like that's, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like this shit's on me guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, the that, last line of it. Um if any yeah. blame or fault attaches to the attempt it is mine alone. It is mine alone. Yeah. yeah. That's just and uh, it's just yeah. It's, it's a hell of a letter because you would never 
you would never see politicians in like our age, you know, just be so humbled, you know? Yeah. yeah. What gets what gets me is like the thought process writing that letter has to be like, I really fucking hope I don't have to give anyone this letter, you know, because this is like yeah. worst case scenario. Uh, this is like, you know, I'm writing this out. And, in hopes that I never, it never comes to light, you know. Yeah, but no, it is just impressive that he has the the balls basically to to do it. Well, it's incredible it to think about like what it's all wild. these guys are going through at this time, because like I mean, just look, think about you know Churchill, you know, he's yeah. thinking like, oh, yeah. oh man, this has got to happen, and you know, back when I was a general, you know, back when I was a leader in World War One, I, I fucked up royally in that naval battle. And like right. this is my chance to redeem myself. Yeah, I'm not to mention his his land is being encroached upon. Right, because this is very personal to the. Brits yeah, we're past right the Battle of Britain. Yeah. It's very close to him. You know, it's very close to Churchill. Yeah, <laughs> if the, if this fails, if the Nazis get to yeah. keep their state, they're right next it. door. That's it. This is like the <laughs> yeah. last. Yeah, this is across the English Channel from home. Yeah, so I mean, regroup and come like... back in ten years or something. You know? Right or two. Yeah. So yeah, it's there's a lot of. A lot of things on the line with this particular invasion. And that's that's kind of a personal look into one of the leaders. I, so I really thought that was interesting, that letter that he wrote. No, Ike is yeah, cool. for sure. Ike's all What'd right. What'd you say, Chris? What? We like Ike. We like Ike. Oh, we like we Ike. We like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. We got to put yeah. that in. Uh, just put that sound clip in. Ike for president. Ike for president. Ike for president. Ike for president. You like Ike. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. For president. Hang out the banner. Beat the drum. We don't want John or D or Harry. Let's do that big job right. Let's get in step with the guy that's hep. Get in step with I. You like Ike, I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike for president. Hang out the banner, beat the drum. We'll take Ike to Washington. We'll take Ike to Washington. Now is the time for all good Americans to come to the aid of their country. I'm good with that. <laughs> it's a terrible little jingle, but it's catchy. <laughs> Those are the best. It's like every uh, jingle from any um, auto dealer in East Texas. President Eisenhower, <laughs> what do you feel like your greatest achievements in life were? Um, World War II, leading my men in World War II to victory and the American highway system. <laughs> Being mentioned on the Sagely Stage Stooges. I'm that's sure that's the close third, man. It's got to be. It's his greatest achievement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anything else leading up to the day um, well there was a lot of things to... leading up to the day but well sure i just mean that we want to touch on like you know briefly ish oh i was gonna uh, start at um you know the city of They're like the dawn of man yeah oh you okay. just cut off my joke now I hate <laughs> you don't have to go that far back uh, well, i mean you can really can, trace this back to the, can edit to the well look we can butterfly effect this all the way to from. the golden age of athens i mean but you don't have to go all the way further uh, back to right, that. Right, right. the burning of the well, library of alexandria I think if you go up to like sort of like the Roman Empire, then you really kind of get into like the warfare and the creation of like organized warfare. So, Stephen, what are you talking yeah. about? No, Sun Tzu, all that. No, nah, no. Yes, the famous Roman general. <laughs> Sun Tzu. What would I say? I guess the only the other thing I would add in, in terms of being before, you know, the, the build up to it is kind of just to set the stakes. Like you were kind of mentioning this, Stephen, about how consequential uh, the invasion mm-hmm. was and the decision and everything. It was a big turning point in the war to open up another front. Um, they had kind of decide about, decided about that in the Tehran conference. Well, it was the first, it was 
uh, arguably the first offensive that put the Germans on the def- on the defensive. It was the first time that the Germans had been in a defensive position on the, the Western Front. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah. it was the opening up of that because before the that conference, before Stalin met with Roosevelt and Churchill in Iran, <laughs> that meeting alone is fairly interesting. Yeah, um, but he, he you know he goes there and and that's after the Battle of Stalingrad. And uh, the Battle of Kirks, where they were Kursk. the evil Kirk and the good Kirk, like finally. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that How famous battle Kirk? tilted the scales of the war. No, uh, but the Soviets at that point were on the march on the Eastern Front. Yeah, uh, they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily going to succeed, um, but they were really hoping and had been pressuring the Allies for a long time to open up another front. That's what this we is. had, you know, dealt right. with a lot of stuff in North Africa. You know, Italy was. <laughs> yeah, the It'll soft underbelly of Europe. Yep, um, as Churchill put it. I right. often wonder what would have happened if um, Hitler didn't have to split forces and go protect their sorry asses. Like, there's so many little like this like one competent thing. Italy yeah. alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> competent Italy in alternate timeline. Yeah, I mean, that, there's a lot of. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's big, big picture stuff. No, that's uh, that's really. All. I want to draw the attention to that is that this is like the oh, yeah. the next front. It's gonna make hitler fight on you know devote his forces in in two different directions. it's gonna split him yeah ike lit a cigar looked at everybody else and just went now we're gonna make hitler fight on our terms and then like uh rage against the machine started playing and he ripped off his shirt and he's built as fuck (laughs) jumped on a horse and and turned green and started smashing everything well this is just too many crossovers (laughs) now Uh, that poor horse (laughs) did the the horse turn green and start smashing everything yes Yes, the hork the hork the the horse turns green he's the whole incredible the hulk horse he's the hork (laughs) the incredible anyway (laughs) they want this right but um i guess uh, uh, this is this is the way as as intrigued as i am by everything we've been talking about we do do, we do need to move on and it will segue neatly um if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, you know, what are the alternate timeline of a competent Italy, if the alternate timeline of blah, 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 you if know, the where, timeline is true. where the, you know, a lot of luck obviously came into effect in, on, on the Normandy invasion. The fact that the allies were able to move at, ahead with the invasion, despite the weather, yeah. but on the same hand, the weather in you know had effects in other places, which affected other things, and it was like this this these, these juggling of, of events that, I mean, ultimately led to Normandy being a success. But there's just so many like little pieces. So you know, we want to try and talk about some of the interesting things. Um, yeah, that is generally what we try I, to I, do. Yeah, um, I initially wanted to um, kind of talk about the um, 101st Airborne, the Screaming Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things I wanted to mention was, um, as we move into the actual day, or or the, the hours <laughs> leading into the day, I mean, this is like midnight, the day. Day, day. The, the, yeah, day, day. Greg and day, Yeah, D stands exactly for what it day. Yeah. <laughs> this is the day of days. It's um, king of kings. First of his name. King of the Andals. The first man. King of the bridge. One of the first things that needed to happen was that Pegasus Bridge needed to be, Horse Bridge, as uh, some of the Brits called it. Um, needed to be taken because there were panzer tanks on the other side of it and you know and i've seen disney's hercules i know how ornery pegasus can be but um <laughs> you know and <laughs> and in the vein of these like if these one little tiny events don't happen like mm-hmm. 
the events are so very different. Um, when uh, yeah, you throw Pegasus in there, things get weird. Just like in an orgy, flying horses. So they had to destroy a bridge or take the bridge. Which they one? had to take the bridge, right? Because on the other side of the bridge, essentially, right on the other side of the bridge, was a a, a, a platoon, several platoons of tanks. The rumors are that you know at the time that there were like 350 tanks. In hindsight, there weren't that many. Anyway, um, like 10 tanks, only, or there were only like 349 yeah, tanks. Would you say 10 million? <laughs> in no. hindsight, there were only 10 million tanks. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, say there were 350. Million. There were 10 million. <laughs> but uh, one, and this is probably something that most people have heard. Um, but. Uh, one of the you know the first the first gliders, which by those the way cool. those gliders are fucking death traps, right? Yes. Oh, the those ones that yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. You want you fly <laughs> so them up these, and then let these, them loose and say good luck. These bombers, these bombers are are towing these wooden <laughs> gliders, dropping them full out, of just humans like, and just plummeting them into the earth. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I'm not super familiar with these. What it, what exactly are we doing here? We've so got what you gliding, do is you basically like aircraft. you have these you have these gliders that just look like planes, but there's no engine mm-hmm. in them or anything. They they use them nowadays for like if you go on vacation you can take a glider trip but they're like little plane shaped things you get inside them and you can you can move a lot of troops that way but there's no engine in them and what you do is you just tie you know them crash them into the earth yeah you just you know you tie them on the end of another plane and the other plane takes off and then you detach and you just glide down and you just drop a lot of troops that way as opposed to via parachute paratrooper yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so like the do the um, and i may be getting a little too in-depth with it but do the gliders have like controls as to like are they trying to land these or are they trying to jump out of them you I can you can no no you can kind of maneuver the wings so you can kind of steer okay. but there's no yeah. engine there's no propelling force you're sure. at the mercy yeah, of nature and what and no you don't jump no, out of it you land and then everyone gets out and then you try to either hide the glider or destroy it or whatever you don't want people finding it but like sure okay but you try to find a nice uh, meadow to yeah to and if you can't in. find one well, <laughs> well then you're kind of screwed or you I, did not, I did not know about something <laughs> yeah. yeah hey just hit that group of germans over there maybe they'll help out so we had kamikazes of our own <laughs> bonds okay right. well i didn't know about that that's interesting yeah, it is interesting. yeah so the one of the first and like I said, this might be more common knowledge, but I thought it was fascinating. Um, so, like the first the first landers that go in, you know, they 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 they're met with lots of wind and unexpected fire in a lot of ways, um, and so they drop. So the bombers. <laughs> wow, are that's really weird. I don't know. There was a lot of unexpected fire in this war zone. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> well, shit, I didn't think someone was shooting at us. <laughs> they drop these. They drop these landers. The, these gliders, and I mean, like like Chris said, they're basically just planes made out of wood with nothing. And so there's all these men just hunkered in this piece of wood that's just gliding down. And land is a strong word. Yeah, yeah they don't really land. land these things. They just kind of crash them into the ground. Like these things are moving at generally like anywhere between like fifty to hundred miles an hour when they just careen into the ground. I hope they're wearing and helmets and knee pads. <laughs> everyone and scrambles out of them because you know if they're still alive and can move. Yeah, it's it's such a wild thing to to to, to read about. And so one of the first ones that lands there, they land like fifty yards within Pegasus Bridge, and um, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Dan Brotheridge. You know, he's the man who is kind of known as um, the individual who fired the first shot for the Allies. Uh, on D-Day and was also the first casualty on D-Day. Um, first in, first out. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. <laughs> well, that's yeah. that's kind of a D-Day theme, kind of right. And uh, well, ultimately, his 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 squad, his 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 you know, 
team squad platoon whatever they end up uh team know, squad taking platoon? taking it's a great um, team it's a great trivia name the pegasus bridge ultimately all to say um they knew that these panzers were coming right mm-hmm. and this is what i think is wild so um major john howard um he was kind of he was two first names yeah. Major John. <laughs> he's he's a very very popular world war ii figure especially surrounding the normandy invasion um they had taken the bridge um but they knew that the that well they expected reinforcements to be coming reinforcements ended up not being able to come for like two extra days so oh. these panzers start rolling in so they they hear Sorry, man they we're see, busy they know we these got things work. are coming <laughs> and <laughs> to work uh, the boss is really on me about these reports these tanks start rolling in and all that these guys have are these little things called um spoons piots uh they're these little and these things are piots yeah they're they're the worst like you read about them and they're like this is the worst they're the, they're these anti-tank weapons oh, yeah but they are like like suspicious quote weapon they're you know yeah well yeah exactly weapon. because they're yeah because they're modified after like you know our an artillery weapon but they're sort of like crudely constructed uh, into being handheld it's a mortar and, turned sideways yeah exactly exactly that'd be great if that was Turn a huge meaning uh that's sir that's just a mortar badass. turned sideways no it isn't it's a completely new <laughs> weapon <laughs> It's a different weapon. Yeah. And that's the thing. They just kind of shrunk it down and then turned it sideways. And so they shoot these little like three pound uh, charges, but they are wildly inaccurate. Yeah. Sure. Wildly inaccurate. Mortars are supposed to fall, not be shot. They should have have given everyone those wrenches from the Battlefield games that the the engineers use where you can just walk up to an enemy tank and just go, and then they borrowed some Molotov cocktails from the Finns. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, and so Major uh, Major John Howard and his, and, his, and his team are, you know, hearing these panzers coming in. So they, like, hide in the bushes and shit like that. And they've got one of these piots amongst them all. So, you know, they might Everybody have take charges a turn. But they've got one gun. <laughs> and so this, piot, this tank is, is, you know, chugging down the road. And they're just sitting there, they're waiting. They wait till they get it literally as close as possible because, like I said, these things are wildly inaccurate. John Howard shoots it, and he he hits it, and he destroys the panzer. Well, there's two other ones behind it. And panzers are notoriously, like, well-armored machines. Like, they're not like our Sherman were, where you can just hit them anywhere and they blow up. (laughs) Right, yeah. But as soon as the ones behind it see that this one has been destroyed, they the Germans immediately assume that there's, like, some... Body! Tank like, force or something? Yeah, so a much larger force that is defending this, and they book it. Huh? <laughs> that that's, awesome. comes back into the kind of luck thing, because... Exactly! Yeah, if exactly. they kept pushing, that, that was over there. That was it. It was <laughs> over. It was over. They like, figure if, out where if, that Piat's firing from, and it's done. And that was it. That would have been the end. They would have taken... The, the Germans would have taken back Pegasus Bridge, and, and I mean... Normandy as a whole could have been a completely different story. Yeah, because they just start wow, sweeping tanks into the place. And... Yeah, mm. and yeah, it's just it's so wild that like that one that one little grenade that happened to hit and scared the other Panzer away happened to like just like completely change the course of the Imagine entire thing. Imagine being and that course... tank crew and finding out later like, wait, it was just like 
Damn it. It's just, <laughs> it's just yeah. one little bitch-ass British fucking anti-tank gun. No, nah, man, it was it. it was all part of Operation Bodyguard. That was, uh, it was all yeah, planned man. that way. And the other thing I thought, just in regards to Panzer, since we're talking about them, most of the Panzer divisions had to have been um, directly ordered by, by Hitler to move. Is that something he had centralized under himself for some uh-huh. stupid reason? I could see that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gosh. Don't do so drugs, kids. When, so when... Is it like Uber Germans, you know, or whatever? You probably had a term for it. Um, yeah, you order your tank to come pick the you Air up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, if, uh, I would totally take an Uber tank I w- somewhere. <laughs> Uber Panzer edition. Let's see, there's Uber, there's Uber X, there's Uber Black, and... And Uber Panzer. Yeah, Uber Black. But um, when, you know, w- when the German army as a whole finally started getting word that, like, all this, that all the Normandy stuff was happening, um, no one had the courage to wake Hitler up. <laughs> He's oh. going to be so moody, you guys. He was, he was asleep at the time, and no one had the courage to wake him up. And so he was the only one who was able to give the order. Well, him or Rommel, and Rommel also couldn't have been found because he was with his family at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no one, no one had the courage to wake him up. He was the only one who had the courage, or he was the only one who had the the the, the authority to issue these 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 Panzer divisions to move. So they sat for hours and hours and hours and hours. And part of that too um, was that, and I I read this somewhere. I think. Uh, was they thought that Normandy itself was a diversion away from the, the real like the fake attacks, right? Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. that was, slowed any German mm-hmm. yeah. response yeah. for a long time. They had been fooled. They're like, yeah. who who's attacking Normandy? That's that's dumb. Yeah, They're that going for the... poor de blah blah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I read all these stories Norway. of the of of some of the living accounts of those those German engineers and 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 soldiers who were parts of those tank divisions, like knowing that there was something happening. Like they were, they were aware that Normandy was being stormed, but they were just sitting there just waiting for the order. Mm, That's crazy. And so they're like, they know that they could be there and they could be helping, but they had to wait for the order from Hitler himself. So they're just sitting there just waiting. Yeah. I I guess at that point, like fear both paralyzes them and motivates them, you know? It's like, what if we move and Hitler is upset? Well, then we're screwed, you know. Right, yeah. So So. everything just stalled. Everything just froze. That's crazy. That's another one of those, like, crazy, like, luck scenarios. Gotta love your crazy dictators, man. They got everyone afraid of them. It reminds me of the movie Chris and I watched, The Death of Stalin. The Death of Stalin. And, like, he's, he's, uh, they think he's died or something. They're like, check on him. No, you check on him. I'm not going to touch him. (laughs) I don't want to be in here if if he's, uh, if he, is alive and he you know thinks that we saw him pass out or something and they're <laughs> Jeez. they're just like not doing anything with his corpse and even though while. it's delivered completely comedically it's all based on like actual events like they were yeah. afraid to go in the weekend at stalin's <laughs> i mm. grady and i would probably both recommend that movie very highly to anyone yes <laughs> really, really uh, like the sure. we were really really drunk at my place and i was like hey i've heard good things about this movie let's watch it <laughs> we did yeah anyway uh that's crazy that yeah, the Panzer divisions wouldn't move because no one would wake Hitler up. That's uh, right. That's something and that, I didn't that know. turns out to be like one of the major reasons. 
Bleh. Whatever. I wish it could have culminating reasons to a more extreme. Yeah, it, like it, 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 I wish it, he had it like very well up. could have been. I wish he had a very major reason why Normandy was successful was because there were so many hours that there was so much of the German army was just stalled because no one had courage to wake Hitler up. Well, I wish they had woken him up, but like took it really slowly because you'll know how he is when he wakes up. Just give him some time. <laughs> like he has to have <laughs> the cereal first. He has to like. Some... Some coffee, some calming music. Well, he needs to have his morning. Yeah, you wake him up with some lavender. Well, no, no, no. He needs his morning. Like let pain... him wake up naturally. He needs his morning painkillers and shit. His massive drug addiction due to the pain he was in and his stomach problems and so uh, like. Oh yeah. What his... what drug wakes you up? Cocaine. His strange cocktail of a bunch of amphetamines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, those aren't things you take when you're. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Those aren't things that you take <laughs> when you. You can't tell the Hitler. You can't tell the Hitler. You can't tell the fewer <laughs> bad news until he's had his amphetamines. Oh, uh, okay. So you wake him up. He's one of those coffee people, like, yeah. but with amphetamines. By the way, <laughs> he has a he he has a yeah, meth. You coffee. know how Everybody people have those it. coffee mugs that say like. Uh, don't talk to me until I've had my car. You know, really stupid shit like that. What if he had like yeah. a little, like a, like a syringe that had, <laughs> like a syringe that's like, <laughs> syringe don't talk to me until I've syringe. had my meth. I don't know. <laughs> I don't deal with problems until I've had my codeine. <laughs> my codeine. <laughs> yeah. And they were out that day, so no one woke Hitler up. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. Oh. Oh. Interesting twist, Josh. Wake me up, wake me up inside. Wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, so, uh, what's next that we want to talk about well, that happened? Um, so, we've landed now at Normandy. And, and we shot at some tanks. We shot yeah. We shot a tank. To, Scared them to, slash to they couldn't move anyway. <laughs> One of the things that, that uh, the weather obviously caused... Um, you know, lots of issues. Um, so Are you going to talk about the tides? Well, sort of. So okay. the, the well, That's fine. Go ahead. So there were lots of bombings. Obviously, we talked about that before. There were lots of bombings that um, happened before the actual physical invasion of Normandy. Uh, yeah. Um, well, a lot of those bombings didn't go very well. Um, in yeah, terms one of them of, like, missed completely, right? Yes. So some bombings hit. Uh, towns that were supposed to be evacuated Oops. and the most notable of all the one that was supposed to strike the defenses of Omaha Beach didn't yeah. hit at all which led to the slaughter and the very popular sort of canonical uh, events of, of Normandy on Omaha Beach that's that's mm-hmm. a big whoops man well weren't yeah. they trying to not hit their own troops or something so they were dropping early uh, there's you know what that I tried to I tried to confirm how those missed specifically and mm-hmm. apparently there's a lot of conflicting results on like why that happened oh like whether it was user error or something or weather yeah. or yeah. misinformation or like grady said like an attempt to you know for an attempt for to safety yeah, yeah uh, apparently there's there's lots of different things and no one's really 100 percent sure as to why the omaha beach bombings were so far off because they were miles off Jesus. Oh yeah, and cloud cover or something too, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. cloud cover, difficult and fog, to see. And the, hey, the, Captain, yeah, I mean, there's uh, lots of things. The beach is like 15 miles back yeah. that way. Why are we still? Well, don't you see all these clouds, son? I don't know where we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... Anyway, it, it is. I don't know. I don't know if that joke is in poor taste or not. And some <laughs> five years ago. 
Too soon. It's a sexquincestennial, uh, Chris. Sexquint. Semi-sexquincestennial. Sex. 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 Sesquicentennial. There we go. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, the weather fucked a lot of shit up. It did. Uh, but it know, also it, it was delayed. just good enough for them to actually do it. Um, yeah, like they had planned like to try maybe again on the 18th or 20th, and the weather was way worse, mm-hmm. right? That was one thing I fa- failed to mention earlier. It was like the next opportunity, the weather ended up being like complete shit. So they would have had to wait even longer to. Oh. And like in hindsight, like, well, this yeah, in hindsight, sucked. this was like the only time to do it. Unless <laughs> Maybe we should launch today. No, it's too hot today. Can we do it tomorrow? <laughs> Sounds like me and mowing the yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be too hot, Grady. You live in Texas. Yeah. Yep. It's not gonna get any better until like it's not like your grass January of next cool. year. Yeah, when your grass isn't growing then anyway. Yeah, I know all these things, guys. <laughs> None <laughs> of this information it doesn't stop me from saying <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> uh, well, um, if we want to move on to something else, uh, some of the technology we thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, right? we talked about some of like the the tanks and stuff, and you know, while Omaha was was not successful. In large part because some of these like really crazy tanks um, were unable to perform the way they were supposed to. On some of the other beaches, I think, oh god, I want to say Juno and Sword specifically, those inflatable tanks were pretty successful. Well, yeah, they did not like the decoy inflatable tanks, right? But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. regular tanks, but with a like amphibious. Like assault capability, inflatable attachment thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were talking about, Josh? Well, that and the Mulberry Harbors. I, I read more about those oh, yeah. than the tanks. Those the, are cool too. The, the portable uh, harbors that they built uh, off the shore of the Normandy invasion were kind of interesting to me. Like apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. well before the um, the invasion itself, they sailed a bunch of these ships over. And sunk them, you know, scuttled them on purpose to cr- start creating these wave breakers. I forget what they, there's a word for it, but breakwater uh, things. Breakwaters, yeah. So yeah. like to make like an easier harbor for once they'd storm the beach, they could bring in more troops and equipment. So they brought all these ships over there and sunk them, and then they started sending over like these giant, you know, pylon type things, um, and and sunk them to basically create uh, a harbor, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they were they took these ships over and sunk them, and they called those gooseberries, which was interesting. Yeah, what are the um, and then uh, they brought these other things over, which just essentially look like giant uh, concrete like platform type things, and they sunk those for for breakwaters as well. And mm-hmm. they started the bombardons. Uh, yeah, what what were they called, Grady? Bombardons. Bombardons. What he said. <laughs> yeah, what he said. And um, they basically built this harbor. Uh, they brought these like roadway, floating roadways that were floating on po- pontoons over to attach to these breakwaters and run all the way into the beach, so that the ships could stay, you know, far away from the beach, uh, out in the, you know, the uh, deeper water, and offload all these troops and munitions and, 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 uh, and deliver you know, supplies, yeah, yeah, vehicles and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
uh, yeah, and the floating roadways were na- codenamed whales and beetles. So they had all these weird little, these are mulberry words, docks dude. with gooseberries and whales and beetles. I don't know why they had to name these things. <laughs> it's like, just a beetle song, uh, man. And then, <laughs> and then uh, you know, where the... Um, we delivered our beetle to the gooseberry. Yeah, the, the, the heads of the piers were called spuds, so... Uh, but I just thought it was interesting. They they hauled this stuff over and made these floating, essentially, docks, uh, you know, uh, harbors to offload all this stuff. Uh, the one, the Mulberry A, I want to say there's Mulberry A and Mulberry B at two different um, uh, beaches. And Mulberry A was the one that the Americans used and a storm ended up screwing it up because they didn't anchor it to the seafloor. And then Mulberry B ended up being used, you know, pretty heavily. Uh, Collusion. But they kind of, I think after the fact, Grady, you might have done more recent reading on this uh, right before we casted, kind of determined that it wasn't the most effective way. It was just just as effective to just land straight on the beach and offload stuff as yeah. it was in these Mulberry harbors. But the concept was cool to me. Yeah, it ended up being... You know, more efficient the way the Americans did it kind of without this. Um, but I, I guess the, so the argument would go like they thought the Germans were going to fuck up the harbors or, right. you know, that they were trying to capture. They were going to sabotage it. Those Germans everything. always fucking up harbors, man. And, uh, you know, and also they had to wait till well, they, they kind of did, I think. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, well, they did, but it was kind of it was it wasn't not it was not a lot. It wasn't crucial. Um, yeah. They didn't completely destroy the place or anything. They captured it sooner than they thought they would. And so it just ended up being like, oh, well, I guess we didn't really need all this. Yeah. But if uh, it had gone differently and they didn't have it, they would have. Yeah, these would have been essential for sure. Yeah. So it was a good backup plan, I guess. Or you go the American route and just build everything to where you could just crash it on the beach and go. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, And like Grady said, they ended up uh, not very long after D-Day capturing the port of Antwerp which they then used instead of these mulberry uh, I've been there. Don't call Antwerp. me a twerp. I've been to in Antwerp. Belgium. It was fun. But a uh, couple of little uh, things I read about it I thought were interesting. Um, the Ghost Army, which I don't know if we've mentioned. Oh, that's was, the think, army that Aragon in Lord of the Rings got. Yeah, yeah, for. but yeah. it's the American version, I think. Yeah. Um, but they were, you know, espionage-type people. And uh, they went and built a fake Mulberry Harbor that just basically had lights on at night so that it would draw fire away from one of the real Mulberry Harbors. It would draw in a lot of moths. Yeah. And and (laughs) moths as well. Um, Well, they're trying to get across bridges further inland. They don't want the moth man to go in. The moth man. He is especially (laughs) good at destroying bridges. That's why they didn't build the bridge. So, yeah, that's exactly why Mothman would have been all over that. He's like, I have, and dude, then, that bridge is way too long. I ain't letting that thing exist. I'm taking <laughs> out smaller bridges for less. <laughs> <laughs> that's his whole thing. Mothman has a standard. Yeah. Her moth. Your bridge is too big. You need to spend less money on it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the whales and beetles, the actual floating bridge the great portion. beetle whale f- War of, of the mulberries they after the after the war they ended up using those to repair a bunch of destroyed bridges in france like that were destroyed due to the the war so i thought that was kind of cool huh like they ended up cool. actually using part of them you know to make bridges uh, or you know repair them hey man uh, we, Europe, we so. build bridges here man we don't knock them down 
Oh, no, we just moved bridges. We've already we built move after bridges, we knocked man. bridges down. <laughs> we knock other bridges down to move them. To move bridges bri- on those bridges, man. We just we I you we, got it. We like bridges, man. No, we just really like bridges. We like to we're move all, bridges. We like we're all Jeff bridges. bridges, man. We like Jeff bridges. Yeah. All of us are Jeff <laughs> bridges. We do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like Jeff bridges. We like that's London like bridges. Your opinion, man. All right, and, and that the t- was talking Jeff Bridges. So um, <laughs> that those were the Mulberry Harbors. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. On the tank front, are there? Does anyone have like a favorite of these weird tanks of Hobart's funnies? Um, uh, I think the most effective were the ones that like find found the crab mines, right? Yes, like the, the crab- legendary crab mines. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> the the uh, the crab, uh, the Sherman tank with a mine flail on the back. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like cylinder. this. Yeah, this windmill of like whatever the heck they attach to it that are just trying to like destroy it i guess no it was their special weapon okay they go over a certain platform and then the windmill spins and whichever special weapon is on the the picture that shows up at the top is the one they get to use once yeah also it's hard to get your golf ball past the wind i don't know what you would do to I, i don't think you're trying to detonate the mine unless it's fine for a tank to like detonate a mine in front of it well, I mean, that's the thing. That's what I thought. I, like I said, I, well, like I didn't say, but I'm saying now, um, I haven't read a whole lot about each individual tank, just kind of what they did. And I just assumed that that tank was like, I don't care about no mines. We're going through here and blowing them up. No, it yeah. was like, it was, yeah, I mean, sort of. But it was also to like, like make uh, fucking, what's the word I'm looking for? Trenches easier to dig and shit? Yeah. But is that, why Why would they call I don't know. Why would they call it the crab anyway? Just because. Because <laughs> it dug. Crabs. That That's the first thing you think of when you, what, right. this, my, this tank digs. Let's call it the crab. I mean, it is digging the, what, into what, a what, beach. What, yeah, what other, what other animal digs into a beach? Turtles. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, sea turtles. Call it the sea turtle. That's way yeah, cool. Yeah, sea turtle. They had a they bulldozer one. They had, you know, things for kind of constructor type things. But <laughs> I think that one was actually just mainly used for Minecraft. It must be that you know, if you blow it up in front of the in front of the like more armored part of your tank, then you should be fine. You know, it's it's it, it, as long as you're not driving over anti. They're they're like anti personnel, right? They're not anti armored yeah. vehicle. So I like the carpet layer. Yeah, that one's. It seems frivolous, right? But it is important to get heavy it, things yeah, across it, the beach. It like turns out that it was actually like vital, but like it looks. Is dumb. that the fascine carrier or whatever? It's like no, 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 this thing a, that like lays down the bobbin, this, like the oh, bobbin. The bobbin. Yes, yeah, okay. it like lays down like this. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Matting, a red carpet this matting across one. the beach, <laughs> uh, so that the heavy, so the queen heavier, the heavy, <laughs> so that the heavy. <laughs> Eventually, the queen's coming to normal. Well, yeah, or else other things can, can just sink into the fucking not sand sink and crap. In the sand, yeah. yeah. Oh, the king at the time, actually. Oh, the fascines were cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Those seemed um, really. The ones that the engineering crews were using, I particularly liked. Uh, the assault vehicles. The, these all, well, the bobbin and the fascine are both of them, are, are both in that category. But, like, the engineers I'd would like just come the... up with random shit to strapped to him you know like oh, well. <laughs> it's like okay i've got this giant tank how can i utilize it to make my job easier <laughs> yeah exactly, like exactly. <laughs> i will Let's cover it strap the bodies of there. german orphans to scare my enemies i mean which is just like engineering 101 it's like how can i complete this 
task the laziest way possible. What can we do? Let me use Give me some tank. duct tape and like a couple of tubes. It's just great. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a one just a couple of tubes, which is really cool, uh, which just had like folded up ramps on it. And so you just drive the tank to somewhere just... and unfold the ramps on it. You yeah, can do sick kick flips off of over it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could, let's, let's jump over it. Yeah. You just launch your, launch, uh, launch your hot wheels on it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's right. vital. Yeah. I mean, and, and like some of these, you know, you look at um, the, the fasting in particular, it's like this dude just kind of came up with this like at the moment that it yep. was needed, right? Like he, he was he was just sitting there being like, "Huh, I really need." It'd be really cool if I could, uh, you know, carry this shit like across these weird gaps we've got. And- Foresight be damned. Oh. Necessity is some other I'll just, invention. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just strap it to a tank. <laughs> Those things can pull a lot, I bet. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, with with the tanks, I think that was the whole thing with all the tanks is you just load a bunch of shit on them because they're going to be going anyway, and they can just carry. Hey a bunch guys, of shit. how do we transport all these prisoners? Just strap them onto the tanks, man. Just strap them onto a tank. Oh, okay. Yeah, man, they'll they'll think twice about shooting at the tank if it's strapped with prisoners. <laughs> Probably not though. Probably not. They're they Nazis or something, right? I don't know who was fighting this war. <laughs> not yeah. <laughs> Uh, this would be uh, the Confederates <laughs> and the no the Mongolians. Oh, the Confederate Mongolian War of nineteen fifteen, yeah. and then again nineteen eighty four. I remember now. Yeah, exactly. The Took only a long uh, recess there, but then they got upset with each other. But then the teachers called everyone in to go back to class, <laughs> <laughs> and they they quit. <laughs> Uh, I really love the swimming Shermans. Like I said, those, those, those were ones. interesting for sure. That's that is wild. That sounds like a um, like a what are they what are they, called? what are they called? The synchronized swimming it's the swimming team. The swimming sham. <laughs> the swimming sham. <laughs> or like I the just, Sherman High School water polo team. Mine's a little <laughs> they, mine's yeah. a little catchier, like, but okay. Yeah. yeah. that once again they just this is another example of they're like huh all right. So we're on in the water. Okay, so we need to... Let's put a floaty around a tank. How do we get the tank to... Let's just fucking... Yeah, exactly. Let's just strap a gigantic intertube onto this tank. Hey, it works for everyone else. You and know? then All everyone right. would like ride in the intertube part like on top of the tank, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then it, was like get, a, it was like a boat. Then you get yeah, a, a boat around the sides and inflatable it was, raft. And then you just yeah. be in it like. Ooh. And then you get a separate <laughs> tank for your cooler, and you all. <laughs> I love this. This is great. This is uh, we we should do this. Uh, we should. You feel, yeah, you got, got you got your one tank for for all your all your friends. You got the other tank full of ice. Full of ice and beer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No glass though. No. Mm-hmm. No glass. We're civilized. That one's cool. The other one that I like is the flamethrower one because they just oh, took the machine dude, gun out and put a awesome. flamethrower on it. Yeah, <laughs> that one's awesome. It says um, that the crocodile was an effective assault weapon whose threat could induce enemy troops to retreat or surrender. Uh, it was used so successfully oh, yeah. against bunkers that many surrendered after for the first ranging shots. I was reading I mean, about. Yeah, right. I was reading about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the were used in World War II the other day. Now they were like, yeah, I mean, obviously they were like clearing out bunkers, but think about it like this. 
it wasn't necessarily like getting hit by the flames. It was one intense heat and two, those things just eat the oxygen out of bunkers. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I would never have thought of yeah, that. Yeah, they just wipe them clean, so you suffocate. <laughs> them. You either run out and burn, yeah. or run out the back, or suffocate. Like it's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's this was kind of this was kind of the first big use of the flamethrower on the on the battlefield, mm-hmm. right? Like that, just World War Two, World War Two well, in general. I mean, you saw more tank, individual yeah. uses of them for personnel in the Pacific Theater because they had so much. Yeah. and those are primarily used for yeah. deforestation. Um, right. Sure, but well, yes. you just have to think like the idea carried over. They were oh like, man, yeah. over in the Pacific, they're using all kinds of flamethrowers. Let's put one on a tank. I would much <laughs> rather. I would you know. <laughs> much rather be in charge of having a flamethrower on a tank than having one strapped to my back. Yes. Oh my yes, god. Yes, for sure. Oh my god. Yeah. I would not much like less... to be in either one though. I mean, yeah. you're also in a tank which can can blow up <laughs> yeah <laughs> correct but it's, it's not great either inside. way but i'd take tank over over just running around no i, I agree well with it's in well, the giant you know, we, we're doubling back a little bit onto the innovation and sort of the just general need to innovate for sake of normandy you know the the um, the battleships you know they kind of had they had refitted the, ah, that's not the right word they had kind of altered the 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 guns on these battleships because they know they knew that they needed they needed them to be like crazy crazy accurate yeah in the case that they would have been able to be used <clears throat> and that ends up being one of the main reasons that you know the Omaha beach attack is even successful at all was because the what was it the USS McCook <clears throat> probably Sounds I right. think does that sound right? Okay. Sounds yeah, I like think a it's thing the, that probably existed. <laughs> the USS McCook is one of the ones that was like the captain was like, hey, we got to give these boys support. And they're like, oh, the tide isn't high enough yet. We're too close to the shore. And he's like, fuck it. We'll ram this motherfucker into the shore if we have to. And he That's pulls crazy. it up like way close to the shore and ends up blasting these, you know, with these giant cannons they have on these these battleships into these pill. I mean, I, yeah, I, that's right. I heard I yeah, heard one of nuts. these um I heard one of the one of my you know little stories I've been I've been reading one of the Germans retelling the story he he said um it seemed as though that the 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 battleships could put those shells in between the separation of the pillboxes like in the window of a pillbox he said it seemed like they were so accurate they were able to put it inside a pillbox and so the fact that the mccook was willing to move itself that close to shore and 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 potentially run aground and lose the ship right to 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 bomb across the uh I mean, Omaha that's Beach looking out. There. That's mean, looking out for your guys man, on the ground for sure. War doesn't. Omaha have, Beach probably wouldn't have been successful without that. War doesn't yeah. have enough mad lads <clears throat> like that anymore, man. <laughs> oh yeah, no well, way. War is a lot different these days as well. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, you um, just to uh, to touch on it because I meant to touch on it earlier. You mentioned the tides. I read that the tides uh, on one of the beaches. It may have been Omaha. Probably uh, came in so fast that yeah, like yeah. the, Omaha, the yeah. troops on yep. the beach couldn't stay where they were at, even if they yes. had cover. They had to move yep. off the beach no matter what, yep. or be to back avoid in the drowning. Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I mean, that's those, just another so crazy even, weather thing, you know. Well, it's because they came so, in at low tide. They yeah. Uh, well, that was the, the plan Germans all along. Anticipated high so, tide. Yeah. They came um, in at the end of low tide. 
Yeah. So yeah. Like, they didn't get where they wanted. They got in on the tail yeah. end of where they wanted. Right. Which and uh, so if they had been, you know, they were in cover, they had to move because the tide was coming. And the thing that really sucked was anyone who had been injured, most of those men just drowned. The tide was moving so quickly that they were not able to get themselves to safety fast enough. They just drowned in the high, in the rising tide. Yeah, and the low tide thing was by design, you know, so they could see it was. obstacles yeah. yes. and stuff as they were landing folks. Obstacles. The, the Germans had the fact that they got delayed those. from where they wanted to be, yeah. you know. It wasn't a bad idea because the Germans had. That's why you have those hedgehogs, the Czech hedgehogs out those, there. Those yeah. things, those things. Yeah. Uh, that's to rip the yeah. bottom of the boat. X right. Star things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The things that you see on the Normandy beach. Yeah, the sticking little, out of the water. Cr- those thing. little fucking the crossed, metal things. The crossed know, the iron bar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah those the hedgehogs. Things. The things that yeah. look exactly like hedgehogs. Hey, that's sort what of. they're called. Gotta go fast. <laughs> they look <laughs> different they than they were gonna. <laughs> the tide's coming in. <laughs> You're too slow. <laughs> Gotta go fast. Oh, shit. Oh, no. That's good. Yes, yeah, so that hedgehog like just dark. mocking a, a shot U.S. soldier as the tide comes in. Over. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, it could Come have on, been a British soldier or a Canadian uh, or a Canadian Mother. soldier. No, Sonic would be super was, upbeat was about US. that. Sonic or anything. wouldn't waste time Canadian, with Canadians. But... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Anyway, sorry to our wow. Canadian listenership. I, I'm not... That's I... plummeting. I'm sorry as well. I deal sorry, with so sorry. many. I have been dealing with Canadian legal sorry. bullshit, sorry. and learned, it's like the least sorry. helpful group of people. <laughs> their bureaucracy, but the is most apologetic. Bad. What? Well, I'm sure. If you sorry. tell them that, they'll probably be really sorry. Sorry. Figure it out. <laughs> trying, man. Been trying for two years. So yeah, that's a that's another interesting Figure point it, too. Dave. The tide. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, I meant to mention it earlier when we were talking weather and stuff. But yeah, that that was crazy to me. One of the clips I'm gonna pull, and I might I'll stick it somewhere probably. Oh, you'll here, stick maybe it here ish. Um, <laughs> is from uh, no. Oh yeah, Robert Sales. He recounts his uh, his experience on. He he has a he has a he has a really, frankly haunting, story, um, regarding his experience on Omaha Beach and how you know he 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 made it to the seawall, but he didn't he wasn't part of the individuals that you know ended up eventually storming up to the top of the cliffs and you know being part of, uh you know. They, they destroyed their artillery up he there. He wasn't the main yeah, character right. in Medal of Honor, basically. Yeah. Yeah, sure. He was... He was He was uh, one of the guys you give covering fire for? Yeah. He was pulling bodies Ooh. out of the rising tide, mm. um, trying to find people that may or may not be alive. When that ramp went down, the captain went off. By the time he hit the end of the runway, he was full of bullets. They had a sort of crossfire from two different guns up in the cliff. Two other men went off. One of them was a friend of mine. He was hit. Uh, I was the fourth man. And this was the first time I'd ever been under fire. It's the first time anybody tried to kill me. And when the excitement of being scared to death, I fell off to the side and I went straight to the bottom. Now this water was cold. It was cold as blue blazes. And when I got up, got my feet on the bottom and give a push and I come up and the captain was hollering, I'm hit, help me. 
And I started towards him. I was maybe 10, 12 feet from him. But then I seen uh, blood water just bubbling up red. And I said, man, I better save my own life. There's no need. And at this time, I looked back, and every, all the rest of them coming off the boat were being just cut down like you would. I, didn't, I hadn't counted on this. I was the only survivor. There were 30 men on board that boat, and I was the only man to get off alive. I finally got to the edge of the water, and I heard somebody holler my name, and it was my sergeant. Somehow he had made it, but he was badly wounded. And he raised up, hollering at me to come help him. And when he raised up on his elbow, a sniper up in the cliffs spotted him. and hit him right in the head with that telescope rifle, you know, just like you deer hunt. And when that bullet hit his head, he just exploded. What was left of his head flopped down in the sand. And I knew there was no need going over there. So I buried my face and head, put my hands over my head and everything the best I could because I figured he'd seen me too. He'd almost bound to see me. And I just waited there for my shot to come. But somehow, evidently, he got distracted by bigger and better targets or something. And he didn't pull that trigger on me. And I started to crawl, just inch at a time. And I would peep up and see a dead body. And I'd crawl to that dead body and lay beside him for a while. During this time, I passed body parts, little everything can't imagine what was laying there. I run upon men that were not dead, but were just blown apart. It's just amazing how sometime you can live being blown up as bad as you were. And they were screaming and hollering, but there was nothing I could do for them. I just crawled by. Jeez, it's shocking. It's, yeah, it's really like, that's not something you think about as how many bodies were there on the beach as the tide rose yeah and it's... i i heard uh they had interviewed a guy uh local news here in east texas i think it was local um and he was saying like you know all the medics would be attending the guys you know trying to keep them alive and they were in right. way worse shape than the guys they're attending <clears throat> you know they're just yeah doing their job till like their very end instead of you know, no yeah very... no it wasn't to keep them alive it was to make her final moments not well, either way, as could have been. Yeah, here's some morphine. Well, I just mean yeah. like the the what from what he said, the medics were so screwed up, and they were still tending to guys that were less screwed up than they were. You know what I mean? Uh, so, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Still trying to help yeah. them, yeah. even though they were, even though they yeah. knew One they of, were pretty much goners mm-hmm. at that point. And I, this is yeah, repeating myself. Another, I don't remember who, I don't remember which of the individuals I I uh, listened to said this but um he you know he he was on the beach on omaha beach you know trying to figure out what to do i mean just you know at that point i mean it's such a sensory overload and you've got so much just panic and stuff and he saw one of his buddies fall nearby and one of the medics run out to go help him and then the medic got shot and the medic was down and that at that point he was thinking like oh huh this is uh 
Yep, this is real. Yeah, they just shot the medic. That's definitely like, a uh, <laughs> nobody's spared type situation. Yeah. yeah, they just gunned down that medic, and and so this is killer. This be is real situation. Yeah, this is real. Yeah, it's wild. It's such a there's just so many yeah. haunting stories about it. Um, uh, that brings to mind the opening scene of that second episode in uh band of brothers yeah. where they're parachuting in or whatever and the, or the, just they the see other planes just Ryan. like go down yeah and people just on fire falling out of them and stuff and uh, i was yeah. it's um, shocking to hear i mean i i really recommend anyone who has the i guess the stomach or interest for it i don't know if you can find first-hand accounts of Really, any of this stuff. I mean, not just D-Day, not just the invasion of Normandy, but as I kind of went through this, a lot of the World War II stuff specifically. It's sobering, I think, is is a good word for it. Um, we kind of mm-hmm. forget, I guess, in, in, in you know, gloss over. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, you know, there was so much. And we've had like vietnam and uh, i don't want to cut you off here steven so keep going no you're good well you're good my my point was going to be that i mean i'm you know my my grandfather i was very young when he died but he you know hinted as much as you can to a child of of the atrocities that he experienced during world war ii uh and he was just thought you were gonna say committed and i was like my i kind of tightened up well Yeah, I mean, I don't think he told me that as much, but just like the the things he experienced were, you know, crazy weighted, you know, had a lot of gravity to them. And I was a kid and that's all he could tell me. Um, But I think a lot of that gets lost because maybe it's not talked about as much or they didn't talk about it as much because of the generation that it was Um, and possible, you know, I'm speculating all of this here. Of possible course. stigmas of you know opening up on that kind of thing and then well, well Viet- you, vietnam happened and then you know that's both um closer in our memory and, and just as atrocious you know the things that happened there and maybe the stigma started to lift on that a little bit because of the the age that it was or something maybe and, i don't know like I said, I, that's I, all I, speculation I, in my experience I've, I've noticed that people from both wars don't typically like talking about certain things. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, the majority for sure. I don't know. My grandfather, cause you know, uh, both my grandfathers fought in World War II. One in the Pacific. I think he was on a, I think he was in the Navy and the other one, uh, he never really did anything bad. He was never really involved in anything major, but I mean, you know, near the end of his life, he told a story he had never told before and cried about it and like, i don't know like it's just when people get older they might they open it up and let know, go of some of that stuff and i've seen people you know i know people who fought in nam that you know typically won't talk about certain things unless like a point in the conversation triggers them into doing so and then they get really upset i don't know i i think yeah i sure think... it's it, it's hard for everyone to talk about i was just thinking of like the people that experienced it as a whole, it may be easier. It, it may be easier nowadays to speak about it than back in the day. Um, you know, once they came back from the war, but maybe. also it's just Vietnam is so much closer in our memory. Maybe I, I find you know? it, I do find it interesting what? that like, it wasn't, you know, cause now people do focus more. And I think part of it's just because the major stories have been told. 
but now we focus more on the personal accounts um, in World War II and stuff like that, and it almost gets Vietnamian in terms of the brutality here. Like, I was talking to my friend, and I turned around, and then it was just a torso. The rest of them was gone. Um, yeah. I was um my my boss is uh from germany uh he was born there um and he How old is has it? told me i can't remember the book off the top of my head i'll find it and i'll link it to y'all later but it um it takes the account of a very famous german soldier in world war ii i think he was a, a really good sniper I, I can't remember and he wasn't uh you know ss he wasn't a nazi he was wehrmacht um and he mentioned something very interesting. He, he mostly fought on the Eastern front and who, oh. and this is, and this yeah. is very, rough. I, I think it's dark shit, you know, as dark as war can get, you know, enemies, good guys, bad guys, all that. I think there's some commonalities that a lot of people on the ground can consider. And this is, I think, and, and as he started to tell the story, I kind of told, I could kind of tell where it was going. Cause it, it all revolved around what, um, some of these Russian soldiers started yelling um, in the last moments of their life. And I guessed I was correct, but it, it was all based around, um, you know, the Russians are, well, they're Slavic. I'll just say that, but like, sure. They whistle, run, fight. There's a million of us. And we don't give a shit. Cause we're kind of desensitized to everything and we don't give a shit. How many of you die? We're just buying time and we don't really care. Um, and according to this young man's account, well, young man at the time, um, they would literally just charge. They would get machine gunned down, charge, machine gunned down, charged, machine gunned down, and they could hear the whistle in the background and they just knew that another wave was coming and they didn't, most of them didn't have guns and they would literally get caught trying to climb the wall of bodies, um, that had been made. And once they get to the top, they get shot. And you can look over at these German machine gunners, and they're looking at each other like, what the fuck what is the fuck? this? And they say the worst points was between waves, where you could hear these young men trapped in this giant wall of bodies, all saying Dying. the same thing in Russian. And even though all these other Germans you know, reporting on this didn't speak Russian, they all knew what they were saying. And I want you all to take a wild guess. Mother is my guess. Mother yeah. is 100% the correct answer. All A whole wall of dying Russian boys screaming for their mothers. Like, mm. uh, yeah, that's. Uh, like, we, we look at World War Two is this, you know, last. Like, this grand good scale, war. fleshy, and like, yeah, obviously. Heroic, triumphant type thing. Yeah. I think it is a great example of good versus evil like there's no way around that yeah but i mean there are still moments like that where it just shit we're all in this and then of course you know that doesn't mean that our side didn't do anything bad there's the completely pointless bombing of dresden i you know mm-hmm. i can yeah well, i mean the evilness is more hiroshima on and nagasaki, hiroshima and nagasaki. Yeah. Things, yeah it's yeah. it it changes as you focus in on it you know on a grand scale sure you can argue evil versus um good and stuff but when you really get down to it a lot of these guys are soldiers just you know exactly obeying their orders they're just regular guys that this is Mm -hmm. the cause that they were 
enlisted to fight for you know? and the reason they're, i they're say all that to fight to, in a lot of them forced, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Of them, for sure. and, and, and i want to you know and I'll, i also say uh, yeah this. enlisted bad yeah I'll, well I'll, I'll also say this because the whole point i was trying to get to was trying to get the audience into the mindset of being in that situation um on that oh. beach and I think yeah. in terms of because what was it the the Canadian beach they didn't face a lot of resistance right I I, I think that was correct I think yeah that's no, the they case. were very they, polite so they're, it was they're all, yeah. <laughs> they just apologized their bombings were oh successful yeah we're sorry for intruding on you <laughs> real sorry about the speech situation here but um, sorry, yeah, sorry you just let us just right past Canadians you there. we love you if you're we know our bombs had uh, taken taken care of you and really done done a number on you but here's some tanks here's so if you just go ahead and put your hands up on your heads and we'll go ahead and march right oh, on yeah, we'll eat some a, of them potatoes with gravy and a cot i guarantee it you'll be fine <laughs> yeah but i want i want uh, to point Juno this out which is something i never really had else, thought about sort, too much up until recently so um you know in nazi germany obviously you have the hitler youth you basically have a very <laughs> state-centered mindset being raised you're full of, you know you're surrounded in propaganda you're in the military yeah. you're you're a professional Why army not? yeah yeah mm-hmm. of course these american boys being told all right here's this beach it's covered in encampments and pillboxes and there's just going to be hellfire being rained down upon you from all angles these are farm boys Oh, yeah. These aren't... Average age, 19. These, yeah. these, I mean, they've been through basic, but... You've been through basic, but... Basic the, for, them, for them, which is not much. The, these aren't kids, you know, who were raised in a military-like environment. This is not a professional well, army. This is, well, shit, we got to go to war. All yeah, right. This is lit. By then, the Germans were kind of <laughs> scraping the, you know, lower part of the barrel at that point, True. too. So but it wasn't, but you know, still, they you're facing a poor professional army. The Americans were not... I mean, they were also being drafted, though. I think the the there was something this that I read the about probably. the Normandy defenders yes, that were they were above the average age or something because they had like they were just out. you know uh, they're fighting the Soviets and everything they're fighting us now and and they were loose. I, I guess you're right that they are a they are ideologically as a society more you know committed. Well, to that at that point, but, you're defending what's yours as well. So there's some mindset that goes along with that. Oh, well, I would argue France yeah. isn't theirs. That's a good point. But, yeah. Well, the the whole I know what you're saying, truth, you truth or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, I do, I do agree that I think that the German soldiers would have faced some degree of uncertainty. They weren't like battle hardened necessarily, no. like complete professional veteran soldiers or anything. But yeah, the Americans were totally, um, and probably well, the one British of the and things, stuff too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're you're thrown onto this beach and said, "All right." A lot of you are going to die, but we have to. So run that way. Yeah, and I yeah. think one of the, if, if if you want to kind of get the dichotomy between the horrors of Omaha and sort of the resilience of those built to fight, yeah. um, the differences between Omaha and Point Du Hawk. Um, mm. Point Du Hawk was fucked. They were they the, the so Rangers, what is Point the, Du Hawk, Stephen? Real quick. So point for our listeners is, and me, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Point Du Hoc was a, uh, I guess a bluff. I don't know what the geological word for it is, the geographical term, but it's a, it's like a it's like a mountain, the cliffs cliff of Dover bluff that sticks out. Um, Pride Rock sticks out into sticks it's out. It's called the a channel. promontory. Okay, whatever. It's called a promenade. Uh, it separates. <laughs> it separates the Omaha and the Utah beaches of Normandy. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea was um, 
because because Point du Hawk stuck out into the water between the beaches, it was a great uh, position for observing and it had tactical advantages and yada yada yada. Sure. Yeah, you can essentially see both beaches from that location, you would think. So. It's right. an objective that you want to get. Yeah. yeah. And there were these guns, these uh these 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 big ass uh guns. What were they called? Shooting mm. guns. Big old shooty guns. Artillery, howitzers. Big yeah, there was some sort of artillery. Um that were supposed to be up here in these. Anyway, I'm getting too bogged down in the details. I think I know what you're getting at. Go go for it, though. <laughs> I remember but reading this, and I think is what I'm saying. The the Rangers who were going because of the weather and all that stuff, they ended up getting like split up and delayed and all this shit. And so by the time they ended up at the cliffs, the Germans already knew they were there. And so there's like, you know couple hundred men who are trying to climb up these cliffs like literally climb up these cliffs while the germans are shooting them throwing grenades at them i mean doing everything that cutting off the ropes that they've you know thrown up i mean all of these things they are trying to kill these men like yeah it's just such an and one of the it men, like harkens to a castle siege kind of you know trying to climb yeah the walls and one of the, the one of the men I listened to who was talking who was retelling his his tale of the assault of Point du Hawk where he was like yeah I mean the reason that we were here on this mission to begin with is because we were kind of fucking crazy like the men that they chose to be the Rangers to begin with were kind of weird but then the Rangers that they chose for this mission mm-hmm. were those that found excitement in nothing. Yeah. They, they found, we found, we only found joy in like the purest of excitement. And I think he literally, there's a quote and I might Adrenaline try to find it style where he says, and you know, we, we know we found joy and excitement and adventure and there's no greater adventure than warfare. This, um, ranger battalion you're talking about right the second ranger battalion yes uh-huh exactly was led by one james earl rudder yes oh hey Texas yo, who is that Aggie. yep that's uh, yeah. yeah uh wow. texas a&m uh famous president at some point <clears throat> yeah i mean rudder tower Pretty good guy. And all that name a yeah. whoop <laughs> whoop says the casualty but, uh, rate for that was greater than 50%. He was wounded Oh, it twice. was savage. It was savage because, you know, because of the, you know, the delays and all that stuff. I mean, they they I mean, they were literally climbing these cliffs and the Germans were just like dropping grenades on them being like, "Here you go. Here's a grenade." Oh, <laughs> there you go. And now 20 of you are dead. Like it was brutal. You should have spent the the throw grenade back ability. Yeah, just what, tap R1. <laughs> oh, they're climbing. Yeah, you can do it. This thing—they're climbing up these like sheer you have to walls. Hit R1. Just pick up Juggernaut, dude. you'll be all right. It's wild. And not to get too so so, paint this picture. Half so half <laughs> half of the half of this this force that is supposed to attack this cliffs, right? Half of them are not there. Yeah. Well, because they got swept away. Not there. For sure. Oh, they didn't even no, make it no, to the no, beach. No, 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 they're not there. They never made it. They ended up on the other side, and they ended up actually landing at Omaha Beach. Ah, uh, so not much better, really. Well, 
Markedly better than, than this group, sure. But there's speculation that the reason that that because of these rangers landing on Omaha Beach instead that that's the that's one of the one of like you know, so like a tipping point that Omaha Beach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because then they were able to kind of pincer in on Point Duhok from Utah and Omaha. Anyway, just um, at least at the very least, split attention to some point. In case, some in case, yeah. gave them a case, lot of help when they needed it. Yeah, exactly. In case three of you and the listeners have not realized, I got really bogged down and really interested by the uh, militaristic details of of Normandy that I had never really experienced and researched before. Yeah, there's a lot more than just you show up in an amphibious landing vehicle and run past, you know, the the tank busters and stuff and up a hill and wind. I I mean, there were, I didn't realize there were so many different beaches and like the the subtleties it's, to each and everything. So. I'm glad you got bogged down in it though. Cause like I am one to, I'm obsessed with the causes. I'm obsessed with the event, the effects. And then like, Oh yeah, some battle happened. When I was, you know, yeah. I, I found I gloss all over of that, that part. Cause I'm a loser. <laughs> absolutely fascinating. And, and I've got, I way too much in my head that I'm trying to talk about very quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're so. not going to get to all of it. And, I mean, that was one reason we focused on Normandy alone. Cause just the grand right. scale of the war is just, yeah. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. know, phenomenal in and, and, and scope. So, but, um, last, last point about point to Hawk I wanted to make since we're on the topic. Yeah. Um, these men, I mean, like you said, like the, 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 the kill rate was, <laughs> just not good um they make it to the top of this bluff and their ultimate goal was to destroy these artillery guns um they get up there they kill all the germans that are up there and the guns aren't there mm. like <laughs> oops how brutal yeah yeah the, is that your whole, you <laughs> that your whole objective like and everything you lost to get there just, yeah, you have they... been fighting for your actual life fighting for your friend's life fighting for the guy who just plummeted yeah. off the back of this cliff that you've been climbing for his life because you were going to complete the mission the mission yeah well, and at some get point. up to the top of that yeah, your and your note says eventually they did find the guns, which I can only imagine yes. everyone that made it there just like instant rage. They were like, "We are finding these fucking guns, and they're gone." You I'm know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of exactly. thought that the uh, you know at some point the mission would have <laughs> inadvertently shifted to for fucking survive, and then when you get there, like, oh, shit, the guns aren't here, but. Jesus, I'm breathing. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I know, and that's the well, thing is that these Rangers are so fucking crazy. Right. That's true. Yeah, that was so going to be my pissed point. off. Yeah. These they are like kind so of the Marines. Of, these are not exactly. the guys that the say, army. "Well, thank God I lived." <laughs> exactly. It. These are the guys that say, "Let's go find those motherfuckers and yep. destroy those guns." Yeah, these remember, are those these aren't that, Canadian troops. So, <laughs> right? These are yeah. These are I'm yeah. They, and that so. is exactly what they did. That is exactly the, what the they did. They are fucking. They were. They were so upset, so angry, so driven because they got there and they had not achieved. And so it was like, "Fuck it, we're gonna find those motherfucking guns." And so they tracked them. They literally found tracks in the dirt, in the well, road. Yes, typical where you of, find tracks <laughs> of tanks that could <laughs> carry in the guns sky. of this weight. And they tracked them down to this little village, and they found them. They were just sitting. They had been unattended. They were just kind of hanging out in some little, like, farm land. I was going to say, stuff. like a farmhouse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, they, they were completely not. They were at Grandma's in, house? 
Yeah, <laughs> grandma and sons. They were not in a position to be used. But these men, this was their fucking job. We're going to make sure that these motherfucking guns are destroyed. And they pumped them with, you know, thermite grenades and they destroyed them. I mean, termites? Yeah, your, termite your, note, grenades? your note said termites. Termite. And I took that to mean termites. Uh, anyway. I see. Yeah, uh, you wrote termites and then you were like, termites, eh? And I was like. No, I, I wrote that part. Dude, the, oh. can, the Canadians showed up and threw termites on them. I, I didn't know how to. Uh, but this should work. No, these are metal-eating termites. Well, but without the wheels attached, then they won't be able to transport them and shut up. Come on, with the wheels, I can't move them. How am I supposed to fight? <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy, so, though. Yeah. yeah, the numbers on that. Um, two hundred twenty. Oh, just the strength of the troops and two hundred twenty-five troops. Like that's not a lot. Going up and, a cliff against yeah. these guys, and then 135 killed or wounded. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, like more, That's, like way, way more coin, than half you, of them. You may or may not be making it up that. Yeah, mm-hmm. flip a coin. Nice. If it's heads, you're dead. If it's, if tails, it's tails, you might, might you also dead. be dead. Yeah, <laughs> but just have a maybe you. you might live. It's oh wild. yeah, dead or wounded, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and in Omaha, even reached you know certain levels of that. Well, just I mean, it's like casualty. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. But like, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with uh, what we were discussing with uh, what our perception, I guess, is of World War II. As you kind of get the newsreel side of things, you know. Of course, go get them, boys. Right. Yeah. Like you know, and and what did we get (laughs) from Point You Hawk from D Day from all that is the newsreel account, right? So. Yeah. It's like, oh, great, you know, and and I don't, I don't think it's so much of an age thing in terms of the difference of Vietnam and everything, or later wars. It's just the access to it. What? Well, yeah, know, I mean, everything a, from World when War II was strictly like, controlled. Like the the public feel, you know, like the, the age of not yeah. the age of people, but like the, no, 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 yeah, I I know what you mean. Yeah, like uh, the the era. Sure. You know, yeah, maybe people would, would open be. up more about that and everything. But I, I think the bigger difference but is, the media is what, what people could see about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for sure. World War II, sure. it was you That's got a point. government publication of, you know, we're winning the war, we're beating back the Nazis, we're what we're know, doing taking is the right fight to the fascists sort of thing. Yeah. Beating yeah. off the Nazis. <laughs> you know, and you got that versus you got, you know, reporters was, showing you yeah. live in color in your living room. Um it was very split American whether troops. we should be in Vietnam. Yeah, that I mean, Vietnam's a whole different beast for sure. But you saw the caskets coming off the plane World and everything. No, nothing like that in, in World War Two. You know, it you, you did have anti-war sentiment and stuff, but it was yeah. But World War Two was a necessary war. Like there was no way around yeah, it. It was. I mean, it was, yeah, for sure, different causes and stuff, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's something that we can see in Point Du Hoc and something we can see in the brutality of Omaha Beach and everything is. You know, when you investigate deeper and you see the firsthand accounts and actually, you know, right, hear yeah. from people, you fi- you do get the. Yeah, they they were not nearly as available and and everything after the war as as they are now because of the Internet and because of media and everything. So, yeah, yeah. look up, um, you know, look into um, I, w- I want to say his name is Ernie Pyle. Um, Gomer Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was he was one of the reporters that um, kind of quote unquote told the truth about D Day. You know, like uh, he was one of the ones on the boats 
uh, not obviously he didn't. It wasn't on the beaches, but he was on the you know on some of was the battleships he? and stuff. Was he on the hills? <laughs> That's what I was trying to come up with. <laughs> I knew it. I, I, I saw what you were trying to do, and I was like, I'm going to get my boy. I'm going to get my boy right here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he's he's he's. If you can you know you can look up some of his publications. Uh, he's got some really interesting stories. Um, and yeah, I mean you know just anything you could find that is uh, firsthand accounts. I mean it's fascinating. It's sad um in a lot of ways but it's awesome in some ways you know you see kind of this like true heroism you know this true bravery true courage and uh, just just resilience and uh, just the humanity that is i mean that that's both positive and negative but just the fact oh that, yeah of like course. the either side like these were human beings and they you know absolutely they could understand yeah. that it wasn't an ideal situation and, oh absolutely uh, i will actually um uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, one of the one of the documentaries I watched, one of the many, um, it was called Operation Overlord and Neptune. I found it on YouTube. It was That's just Operation Overlord and Neptune, and then in parentheses, D Day documentary. So it's very straightforward, very Man. Yeah. <laughs> very they, singular. They were but, not. Um, I don't even know who did this documentary. Um, one thing while you're looking for that that i will kind of make a nod to when you're saying the humanity on both sides that's what i was thinking about when chris you were given that anecdote of the german sniper and Uh, the russian waves and everything that's what i was thinking is kind of like at the end of the day you boil it down to you know you're you know fighting for the assholes on nazi germany side you're fighting for the Soviets or the Japanese or the Americans or whoever. Yeah, no matter what your day, government tells you, you're still a person. Yeah, you get laced through and you're bleeding out. You're crying yeah. for your mom. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this, this documentary has some accounts of, you know, German soldiers. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the human side of it is, is sobering for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, a, it's part of our history. That it, a, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's for sure a part of our history, and it's it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that it's interesting to talk about. It's something that we can say is cool to talk about because we honor those who lost their life, and we honor the memory. sons of bitches who charged a beach filled with artillery barrages and machine yeah, gun motherfucking fire. badasses yeah. who didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah. These little kids, boys, kids younger than us, man. Yes. The, oh. Gave their lives for things, you know. Far younger than us. Well, we're not that old, Stephen. Yeah. Chill out. Hey, but yeah, eighteen-year-olds. Like, I mean, Stephen and I 10, are about to turn 11, thirty. Twelve years old. Yeah. 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 Well, y'all have another year before y'all have to worry about it, Stephen and well, I. Well, that, that's not three that's not the point. The point is, but yes. the people charging the beaches, the people also who just you know were bombed. You were mentioning the yeah the civilians the uh bombing raids that didn't go as planned and yeah, and yeah that hit oh man okay too, so. i'm gonna butcher this uh so sure. um like i said you know, like my boss is uh german and we talk about world war ii stuff a lot um man he's got an incredible t- i think it's like a like an uncle or something he had who everyone thought died uh he was captured by the russians and was in a fucking siberia for years and then when they were like all right get out and they just kicked him out and said walk. And then years later, he walks all you know, walks all the way to his hometown, and like everyone sees him. His hair is long, and he's barefoot. And they're like, "What the fuck?" And he's just there. And he, after um, he died a few years later, but 
Uh, he was apparently really quiet. But, like, so, you know, obviously, you know, the war affected him in certain ways. Uh, he wasn't born during it. Um, or, you know, I think he was born in the 60s. Yeah, because he's 57 now. But um, we were um, talking about, you know, that personal. Because he and I talk, you know, about uh, the personal accounts in the war. And one of them was mm-hmm. where I, I think. Oh, shit. I don't remember what town it was in, but um, essentially there was a, a German tank and an American tank. And um, it sounds like the lead up to a joke. A no, German no, tank no, no, and no. American Walk tank. into a bar. Walk roll into a, a French into a village. Bar. Drive yeah. into a bar. Um, and anyway, there was um, a woman and a man, and they were trying to get out of the city. And I don't know if this was in Germany or if it was in France. I think it was I think it was in Germany. And so all of a sudden, this um, this American tank and this German tank see each other. But all of a sudden, this car goes careening down the, the street. Mm. And just because you're in a war frame of mind, they see this car and they both start shooting at it. Oh, but wow. I, neither side knew that the other one was shooting at it. And I think the Americans got uh. there later. And uh, the guy was just dead, and the woman was dying. And they put a blanket over her, and they were like, she's basically... Like, the medic just goes, I'm making her comfortable. And mm-hmm. for yeah. years and years and years, this American soldier was like, I shot that woman. I killed her. And people, you know, it doesn't matter how many people said, look, that wasn't your fault. It was war. That thing moved. Who knew what it could have been? Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He, not too long ago met the German soldier in the other tank who also shot at the car. Oh, wow. And for years and years and years, he thought the same they thing. both thought they killed her. Yeah. That's wild. And it wasn't until they met each other, I think um, a descendant of the woman who died also like showed up and forgave them. Like, it wasn't your fault. Like... Yeah, it's got to be powerful. Like, j- yeah. you know... That's what's crazy about that war is you have this, you know, obviously Nazi Germany being this great evil, but like those boys on the ground weren't like that. <laughs> they were just yeah. doing what yeah. they had to do or what were to- not had to do, but doing what they were told to do. Told to yeah. do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, doing. Yeah, that's that's a good way to yeah. yeah. Um and were, were they, they were doing what they were told was the right thing to do. Right, exactly. And yeah. it was such but a they were told global that, uh, phenomenon and it's I mean like it echoed for the entire for mm-hmm. the entire world. It's it's yeah. You know, it's got long and reaching there are atrocities in echoes Asia too. And everything. Um, I mean, the echoes are reaching to Germany to this day. I would right, say. exactly. But yeah. I mean, just individually, like you know, whether you're you had an ancestor that fought or was just around during that time, things yeah. were so. I mean, it was so global that it affected pretty much everyone. You know, like yeah. whether you you're your ancestors or your grandparents or whatever stayed at home and worked through it during all the, the shit that at, that entailed or actually fought during it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean it's, yeah, you could be yeah. in a small island in the Pacific and it would have affected you. Like, right. It's mm-hmm. just, it was truly a world. And hopefully war, we never see anything sure. like that ever again. I, right. And D-Day was certainly it, one of the, if not, you know, 
the one most of the most important renowned, moments. Or n- not renowned, but um, it well, was one known. of the turning points. It was one yeah. of those things where points it's like, all world. right, ignoring the Pacific, the European theater has essentially gotten to this point, and this is all right. We've done North Africa. You know, Italy's on the ropes, but now it's time if we're really going to make a difference, we have to invade mainland Europe. And mm-hmm. this either works. Yes, the Soviets were at defensive. that point pushing on the they Eastern were pushing Front. On the they Eastern were probably front, yeah. gonna grind Hitler at least to a stalemate. Right. Um, it's do or die. If not yeah. defeating him, but it was going to be very, very close what they could do yeah, just and they on were their own. Throwing so many people at it that, you know, yeah. it wasn't really feasible. But at that so. point they had the offensive. It was, you know, I mean, they might could have done it without it, but it would I don't I don't think they would have. Yeah, I think really. they it would have ground to a stalemate at yeah. some point, you know. Probably, um, but yeah, I with a lot more life. There's this new book out I need to read about D-Day. It's called Soldier, Sailor, Frogman, Spy, Airman, Gangster, Kill or Die: How the Allies Won One on D-Day by Giles Morton. Whoa. It's supposed to be one of the best books written about, and it is about some a lot of the personal accounts, I think. But I've heard a lot of yeah. great things about it, and it yeah. came out in March, so I've been thinking about picking it up. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because I think yeah, the first twenty four hours the... of the D Day invasion by a symphony of incredible accounts yeah. of unknown and unheralded members of the Allied and Axis forces. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick this up. Yeah, that's that's I I will having knowing nothing about it recommend it because I think that is something that is going to be very important and very special and something that we need to uh, you know not to wax you know super serious but you know we need to consider um, the personal. Yeah. effects that uh it had on people it had on the world it had on us and you know like you mentioned before josh you know uh it's the stigma around it is is very different than it is around war today um you know it it affected those men those who survived very seriously and we should honor everything they did because those men are fucking Badass. And special shout out to um let's see. Tom Rice. Did y'all hear about this? Let's see. Um he was part no. of the paratrooper group that uh dropped in oh. on D Day and he um at ninety seven years old just uh John Jacob Jingle Hire Smith. No. <laughs> but at ninety seven years old, um he did a parachute jump over Normandy today, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was either, yeah, I guess today. Yeah, today. Yeah. 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 Tom Rice. Um, he, he's like, man, it was way easier this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's faster. probably said something now, to that effect. His, uh, he's with a little more 90. experience. I'm <laughs> the dude is 97 years old, but he did say like, I'd do it again. What? Like the actual attack what? or just jumping? He already, uh, I think he, yeah, he said, I'd go up and do it again. <laughs> yeah, I got I mean, a. That's here, why he's airborne, I suppose. I got a replacement left knee and a right knee is a little sore, but we're going to ignore that. I do this because I like to, and it's an extended dimension of maybe my personality. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Those men are awesome. Just everything around this uh, is oh, just so special. Stephen, hold on so one cool second. And... Uh, just to go along with what you're saying, there aren't too many 97-year-old rodeo riders, but there's one 97-year-old parachute jumper arriving in daylight <laughs> and waving the flag this time. A different kind of jumper calling a different kind of bravery. They weren't shooting at me, Rice said. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you read some of those paratrooper accounts, and it's like they were like, "Welp, I'm just like falling into a ladder of red tracer bullets, right, oh. and just floating down to where I won't die immediately when I." And hit. if I so have like, enough holes through maybe. my parachute, then I get to splat as opposed yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Anyway, because it's been Memorial Day recently, and because this was a uh, you know war centric episode, if any uh, servicemen are listening, thank you for your service. Absolutely, for sure, of course. And then, yeah, I mean, to all of those affected by D Day, you know, this hopefully this does some justice to it as far as uh, giving some other accounts that people haven't heard. And you know, hey, if you if you know anyone, like, hey, be thankful because we're about to lose that generation too. We're pretty close. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, if you, uh, add, you know, don't probably don't pry and stuff in an insensitive way. But, if, but you know, if there are people there that you know that you know in your family and stuff that you can talk to about this, record and, those stories because yeah. they're, they're gone. There's not many left. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember when we were younger, that was happening to the World War One generation. I remember, Absolutely. yeah, we were, I was um, talking to somebody about this the other day. We were in, high, I remember being in high school, and uh, there were like the last like six remaining World War One American veterans gathered here today. They're all gone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and yeah, for if you, if for you good or bad, that's anyone. our legacy. You know, that's yeah. part of our history. So the world's history. Definitely, definitely. Call it a wrap. I think that's a wrap. I believe so. I appreciate all of you individuals for listening to us wax and discuss and laugh and hopefully bring some enlightenment to something that is dark and interesting and fascinating and very important. Hopefully after this can tell that to not confuse our irreverence with... um, disrespect disrespect yeah disrespect yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely not at all we can be respectful and laugh about it at the same that's time what we do here that's, that's what, what we, we try to do we can also be very disrespectful laughter in. but we aren't about this Irre- uh, wait and arrest erectable i don't know we're, we're we are erectful. That's erectful. <laughs> I was trying to combine constantly um, and erectable we that to too combine disrespectful and irreverent together we are always erect my name is Stephen we are always erect for I am Stephen for Grady and Josh and Chris we have been the Sagely Stage Stooges you have been awesome we'll see you next time why didn't he talk to us good night and good luck Two kinds of... Fuck you, bye!
There's throwing two men on the street. And I'm gonna have to fuck one. <laughs> you get off of the of the uh, like amphibious boat thing. You look around. Shit, there are only two men on the beach. Two I'm getting gun down. We landed on the wrong right. beach. Huh. Well, you're like in the south of Spain. You're like yeah. there's just some sunbathers there. There's like a couple uh, of topless <laughs> Spanish women. Just like, oh well, well we're definitely not this... gonna make it now. Yeah. <laughs>